Welcome to the Youth Driven Podcast, and in this episode, we are interviewing UMass professors Jennifer McDermott and Shannon Roberts, who share their research about driving as an adolescent with ADHD. I am so honored to introduce you to Dr. Roberts and Dr. McDermott. Welcome to Youth Driven Podcast. My name is Becky White, and I am the program coordinator of this traffic safety and leadership program out of Rhode Island. Today, I am so excited to have with us Dr. Jen McDermott and Dr. Shannon Roberts. They are here to share their research and findings around ADHD and teen driving. Thank you both for, for being here today, and welcome. Thank you for having us. I'll start with you, Dr. Roberts. And would you mind just introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about your role? Sure. So I am Dr. Shannon Roberts. I'm an assistant professor of industrial engineering at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. My research, broadly speaking, is in human factors. And that's all about making sure that we consider humans' abilities and limitations when we design technology. I apply human factors to the domain of transportation safety with a particular focus on vehicles. So how we can consider information about how people drive to better inform the design of vehicles. Wonderful, and how long have you been at UMass? This is my fifth year at UMass. (laughs) Wonderful, and how about you, Dr. McDermott? Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm um, Jen McDermott. I am associate professor in um, the psychological and brain sciences department at UMass. And my focus is on developmental science, which means I'm really interested in studying, um, in, in my case, the early end of the lifespan, how children are developing in terms of important attention and self-regulation skills that are, are crucial to good behavioral control. Um, and I look at this by both um, exploring behavior and also looking at some physiology. So we take brain measures um, in the kids who visit my lab and try and understand what are these factors that help kids um, develop better attention and better self-regulation and, and how that links to um, my colleague, Dr. Roberts' work is, is really thinking about how these children develop and get to the point in adolescence where they can be effective in using their attention and self-regulation skills with the, the massive technology that are cars. <laughs> you know, how do we make them um, better drivers by understanding the development of these skills? All wonderful and very important topics. And I was just curious, I'll start with you, Dr. Roberts. How did you become interested around traffic safety and the research? Yes, that is a great question. So when I was an undergraduate getting my bachelor's degree, I just really liked to drive. I was fascinated with cars. And to be honest, I was fascinated with speeding. And I tried to find research that just had to do with car design. The lab that I was able to uh, find a research opportunity with, they focused on human factors, which was all about the design of cars to make sure that they were really focused on drivers. When I started graduate school, I had to pick a dissertation topic. And at that time, my little brother, who's 10 years younger than me, was just learning how to drive. And I didn't do this when I was learning how to drive, but I really cared about my little brother and I wanted to make sure he was safe. So when he started learning how to drive, I started looking into, you know, how do you teach teens how to drive? 
once I did that, I saw that, you know, it's not the safest thing. They're prone to crashes and they're, they're likely to take risks. There are a lot of different things involved for teenage drivers. That got me both excited and nervous, but it made me overall want to focus a part of my research on teen driving. That's how I got into this space. And now that I've been doing it for quite some time, I think I stay here uh, because I really like doing research that I know has an impact on people. And more importantly, when we consider the fact that so many people get injured or die in traffic crashes every year, I know I'm doing research that really has an impact and then in the end, it can save lives. That's wonderful. And I applaud your interest in, in taking care of your brother. And, and that's a great story about how you got into the interest of traffic safety. Thank you for sharing that. And how about you, Dr. McDermott? How did you get involved with traffic safety and, and this research topic? Well, um, it was actually my colleague, Dr. Roberts, who was a driving force, no pun intended, in um, bringing me into this area of study. And basically, um, Shannon and I were able to meet at a research group on campus that focuses on bringing together faculty from different research disciplines to try and explore questions um, that are relevant to diversity that can be um, expanded upon in new ways by combining each of our expertise. And so um, taking my interest in self-regulation, I had presented some information that highlighted one of the, the groups that I work with are individuals, um, young children with ADHD. Um, and that's something that Dr. Roberts had been thinking a lot about from the perspective of what's happening for individuals with ADHD when they're behind the wheel. Um, and so that's how our, our conversation started. And I think um, both Dr. Roberts and I realized that we had the interest to take our underlying knowledge and say, how can we apply this so that we can serve um, you know, this population a little bit better? So in terms of our specific research project, how could we share the knowledge that we gain in our labs so that it's useful to um, the drivers, to the families of those drivers? And also um, one thing that's been really great in our conversations um, is, is our ability to connect with even the driving instructors um, who are out there. So really it's, it's this common interest that we have in taking and applying our knowledge that has been really fun for me. That's great. Could you both tell me a little bit more about your research project around ADHD and teen drivers? So our research project where we're looking at teen drivers with ADHD is really to say this is a population where we have loads of data about higher risk. You know, higher risk for accidents. Um, and we're really thinking about can we change something about these patterns that we've seen in the data for years now? And in order to change it, what we wanted to do was sort of understand things a little bit better. Um, and so the first thing that we wanted to understand better from my lens of expertise was about attention profiles, right? Like who are the individuals who are getting behind the wheel in terms of the different kinds of skill sets they have? And when it comes to ADHD, there's a great deal of variation um, among individuals who may all have a similar um, label of ADHD, but each person is an individual. So some people may um, have more difficulty with impulsivity. Other people may have more difficulty with sustained attention. Um, and so what I was hoping to do is sort of look at those individual differences a little bit more to see how we can understand how they interact with the skills that are needed to drive 
a car. And then from Shannon's angle, one of the, the main focus pieces that she has is the technology that is going into these cars, this adaptive technology that are that's supposed to be more helpful to drivers, right? Things like cruise control and, and monitoring if you're staying in your lane or not. And what we are hoping to understand is if we can understand the individual differences in, in skill sets, um, and we can understand how those differences interact with this technology in the car, we might be able to answer questions of, is this technology helpful? Because <laughs> sometimes it's actually less helpful if you're not sort of trained in how to use the technology or if this technology is something that you're not adapting to yourself. You know, so, so can we figure out what is, what is helpful? Um, and then can we do a better job of introducing people to this technology as they go about using it? So that was sort of the main premise for starting this project is, is to drill down to get a little bit more information so that we can use this technology more effectively, specifically for a population that we know is at, at a higher risk when they're behind the wheel of, of accidents. Thank you. Can one of you share intricacies of the research project? Sure. So I'll start. For the project, we had, it was somewhere between 60 and 80 people come to our labs to test a variety of different things. They came to my lab, which has a driving simulator, and they also came to Jen's lab, which, as she said, uh, measures a variety of different things. Uh, they put an EEG cap on and they measure their performance in a variety of tasks. Uh, in the driving simulator lab, we expose them to different scenarios to see exactly how they responded. And the different scenarios, they were different roadway situations, but we also varied whether or not they got to use some of that technology that Jen was mentioning before. So in some cases, they had to drive what we call manually. They had complete control of the vehicle. They had to monitor the road. And then the, the other mode was with uh, what we call level two automation. So they could take their hands off the wheel and their feet off the pedals and their car would maintain uh, the same speed in the same position in the lane. So with both of these two situations, uh, we expose them, as I said, to different roadway scenarios. And in each one of these scenarios, we gave them a situation wherein we knew that the automation couldn't handle it. So this technology that's currently out there in vehicles that you can buy, it is really great and it can do a lot to make you a safer driver. However, it's still not perfect. There are some things that it can't do. It can't see behind buildings to see if there's a pedestrian who's about to cross the street. It can't see around a curve. Uh, and so in these specific situations, you the driver still have to be responsible for uh, maintaining safety for both yourself and the other people on the road. So for example, uh, if we had a young driver who was driving with the automation on and they get to an intersection where there's a, a building, a tall building that's hiding a pedestrian, the appropriate behavior is to not let the automation drive, is to take back over, to slow down, to look both ways and to make sure that there's no one there because there are things that you can't see, but if something were to happen, it's your responsibility to do something. What we specifically found was that with these younger drivers, they placed a lot of trust in this technology and they thought that it could do more than it actually could. 
So they got to this, this intersection, for example, and they assumed that the automation would do what it was supposed to do. They didn't try to take over. They didn't look both ways to see if there was something there. Uh, of course, we never exposed them to a situation where they could crash because that can be very traumatizing. But we were just trying to see if a situation were to arise, were they doing the right things? So that's what we really focused on in my lab, looking at how this technology affected their performance. And as Jen said, we were really focused on uh, the effects of attention difficulties as well. So we compared performance not only between if they were driving the car themselves versus with the automation on, but we also wanted to see, depending on their level um, of ADHD symptomology, how likely were they to uh, correctly or incorrectly respond. And of course, we saw differences there. No matter if they had ADHD symptoms or not, we saw that when the automation was on, they were over-relying on it, they were over-trusting it, and they weren't taking back control when they needed to. But we also saw that teens who had more ADHD symptoms, they were more likely to also not be the ones to take back control and to look you know, both ways at the intersection to see if there was a pedestrian there. To summarize, that's what we found with the driving simulator portion of the experiment. Now I'm gonna hand it over to Jen so she can describe exactly the findings uh, in her lab. Yeah, so part of what we were doing in my lab was, was drilling into what are these components of attention skills that we all need to use um, and how are they related to, to the driving performance. And so we were looking at different computer tasks that um, the teens would do when they came in and we had a cap on them. We, we measured EEG. So um, while they're doing the task, we can get continuous brain activity monitoring. And we were looking at things like working memory, which is how good are you at holding information in mind, right? And, and you can picture yourself behind the wheel of a car. And, and even for those of us who have been doing it for years and years, if you actually have to stop and think of all those pieces of information you need to keep in mind to do something well, um, especially envision if you're driving to a, a place for the first time, um, there's a lot that you have to balance. So we're looking at that working memory component. Um, we're also looking at how good are individuals at controlling their impulses thinking about how well they need to navigate themselves on the road in conjunction with other individuals, um, and looking at basic things like alertness. How ready to go are we when we're behind the wheel, or are we just on this sort of laid-back automatic pilot mode? So we can parse out each of those kinds of skills um, and get a rating of, of where different individuals fall, whether they are really good at those skills or whether they really struggle um, with those skills. And we saw that those skills were related um, to different components of the driving process. So they were related to things like how fast someone was going. They were related to um, how steady an individual was behind the wheel. So in particular, this working memory, the better you are at keeping all of these things in your mind at once, the steadier, steadier you are um, in the lanes when you're behind the wheel. Um, and then we saw this impulse control piece um, that you were just much more uh, efficient. So not just sort of the speeding up piece, but when you needed to speed up and when you needed to slow down, you know, like how efficient are you at navigating? We don't always <laughs> behind the wheel go consistent steady at one pace. We have to modulate it. So we saw that inhibitory control skills were related to modulation. Um, and we even saw that this, this baseline alertness level 
that was measured in my lab um, corresponded to what a, per a particular person would do when they traveled across campus um, to Shannon's driving lab. And so all of these skills by breaking them down and thinking about them individually um, was actually something really exciting to see because each of these skills are some things that we can do in general. So things like rest, practice um, in the case of individuals with ADHD, whether or not you are taking medication, um, all of those things that are within our control are things that can lead to improvement in these skills and, and improved driving. Um, and the big take home that we're getting from this, we still have loads of data that we're continuing to analyze, but the current take home that's emerging is that we really need to get away from taking this one size fits all approach to teaching driving um, and start to think about how we individualize um, driving approaches for individuals so that they can think about their skill set and what works to make them the most prepared for when they get behind the wheel. What makes you as an individual ready to go um, to be alert, to be able to enact all of this regulatory mm -hmm. control that you need to do behind the wheel. Um, and then we're seeing lots of other creative things out there that have been highlighted, um, you know, different apps for checklists for, for new drivers, the young drivers when they get behind the wheel, the way that the driving instructors um, and even the caregivers who are training the, the, the children to drive for the first time, what is it that they're emphasizing um, to these new drivers that help them keep this information in mind? And one thing that's come up um, for individuals with ADHD is the, the pre-training <laughs> that can happen, right? So when a, um, a, a young, teen is with you in the car, are you working with that team to practice that sort of scanning alertness, talking through these situations, um, even before they get to the point for qualifying, you know, for their driver's license training to happen. So that's the kind of thing that um, we're hoping that some of this information is going to go towards becoming more proactive about increased individualized efficiency for our drivers. Um, and if they know more about themselves, they're gonna do better using the technology that is going into this, to the cars. Cause the technology, you know, that's gonna keep evolving too, but we have to be ready um, and alert if you will, to use it and, and to be efficient. Thank you for sharing all of that, both of you. And I just love your research around this because it is such a poignant topic. And it is also so important to visualize the teen driver who's learning how to drive because we are all different. That is something that we haven't touched upon yet. And hopefully from your research, we can develop different teaching skills for different individuals. We move towards this sort of like individualized perspective. And I'm not saying to replace all of driver's ed that we have right now. I'm just saying like add to it. And if we can add to it a little bit of this individualized perspective, we're going to empower um, our, our young drivers to actually be better from the beginning. And so I think that's um, a real positive piece that we want to try and remember to highlight. Thank you. What was the biggest takeaway or surprise that you found from this research that maybe you didn't anticipate at the beginning? So I think the biggest surprise that I wasn't anticipating was we knew for sure that when they were driving with the automation on, they would probably perform not as good as when they were driving without the automation. Whenever you have complete control of the vehicle, you're more likely to pay attention to different things. 
Whereas if you know that technology is doing some of those driving tasks for you, we knew that, or we were suspecting that they would check out a little bit. I expected to see a bigger difference between the young drivers who had ADHD symptoms and the young drivers who didn't. There was a difference there, but it was not as large as I thought, which confirmed that all young drivers aren't that great at driving. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you have attention difficulties or just any sort of thing going on, you're just not as great as a more experienced adult would be. That was a surprise for me. Uh, it could be what we like to call a, a floor effect where it's, you just can't get any worse. <laughs> and so it could be that all young drivers are just at that point where um, there's just nowhere to go but up. But that's one of the surprises that I was not expecting to see. Thank you, Dr. Roberts. Anything from you, Dr. McDermott? One of the parts that really jumped out to me was this idea that we can actually look at some of our brain measures in one lab and watch them um, show an association with very specific driving behaviors there in Dr. Roberts' lab. You know, it, it was my hope, the fact that we had this association between their EEG in our lab and the steadiness of their driving in Dr. Roberts' lab. For me, I guess one of the things that has been exciting um, is not only what we're finding, but how it's getting me to sort of reflect on and, and think about these processes and whether or not we talk to our, our new drivers about these very specific details um, in the car. So we're hoping to be able to further explore um, some of these behavioral and bio and driving measures all together and, and get a more comprehensive picture of not just the individual in the car, but like an individual as a member of the driving population um, and how we can actually improve on that part too. It's so true. It's, it's, there's so many aspects, whether it's, it's technology and then the individual, there's so many components to everyone's driving. And what is the next stage with this research project? Well, just building off that one last piece, we're actually working to, um, in my lab, incorporate tasks that assess skills having to do with sort of sequential planning, the ability to have a sense of what another person um, might be thinking um, in, the, in the notion that if we can start to understand not just who these teens are as individuals behind the wheel, but who are these teens as individuals that interact with other people, <laughs> then what we might be able to do is, is actually discern how those skill sets relate to the choices that they're making while they're driving. And there are a few other future research ideas that I think we've discussed. So Jen talked about the social aspect of driving. So not only considering you, yourself and your car, but other people in other cars. And we also want to consider, especially for younger drivers, peer influences. So we also want to consider if there's ever a case when there's someone else in their car, how does that maybe impact their driving? So the study that we're doing now, we've been asking young drivers, well, how do you know what to do with pedestrians and bicyclists? And the responses are always, well, my mom told me to do this and I saw my dad doing this and I just do what they did because no one ever taught me. And I just assumed that the way that they drove was the right way. So that hints at this aspect, you know, that Jim was talking about, thinking about the social aspect of driving, who's in their car, who's in other cars, who else is on the road, 
driver education covers some part of how to be a driver, but there are these small details and nuances that no program will ever possibly cover everything, but young drivers still need to know how to deal with those things, like pedestrians and bicyclists, for example. So we're also looking at further down the road, how do we develop training programs to teach young drivers about these things, about how to interact with other people on the road and other cars on the sidewalk, how to interact with people in the car, training in general about how to use this technology, um, how much you should trust it and rely on it, that teach young drivers about the things that uh, are more likely to have them be involved in a crash or get injured in a crash. I think that's another future research topic that we want to get to eventually. Well, I can't wait to hear about it because those are all extremely important. And you're right, there isn't enough education around teen driving and pedestrians and bicyclists. I'm so thrilled that you both mentioned how important it is to have a great role model as they are learning how to drive and not only talking to teens when they're about to drive about driving, but also to mention it when they're young at an intersection. Oh, what do we need to do here? The lights are yellow. What do we need to do? Those simple conversations they pick up on, they are sponges at that age. And, and it's so important to just be a good role model as a parent or guardian they do listen to us, whether we believe they are or not. Can't wait to hear the research, the more research that you both are doing. It's wonderful work and it's important and necessary work that needs to be done. So I want to thank you both for all, everything you're doing and all the research you're doing. Are there any other traffic safety topics you are both researching? I know you've just mentioned those, but are there any other areas you want to tackle in the future or that you plan on researching? Yeah, I think... For me, I, I will just share that I am wrapping my head around this as a parent with a child who is <laughs> rapidly approaching um, the start of this process. And I think one of the things that I'm also excited about are the potentials for, for bringing in you know, the family into this. So, so I guess I, I have been thinking about turning the research lens on myself as, as a future, um, you know, driving trainer of my own children and what is it that I should be doing to understand this process you know for myself so um, that's one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot. Dr. Roberts do you have any anything to add? Yes there were two things that I thought of so as we see more of this technology being put into cars I think it's slowly going to change the licensing process too. So for example, all cars after a certain date now have to have backup cameras and whenever a young driver goes to get their license and the car has a backup camera, the instructor usually tells them you need to cover this up. You can't take this driving test with the technology. I need to see that you can uh, back up without a camera. You need to look behind you. That's just one example. But as we see more and more technology into the car, how is that going to continue to change the licensing process? At some point, will we still have licenses at all? Or will it be some other type of certification to show that you can be behind the wheel, if at all? The other thing that I'm really interested in digging more into is looking at differences between populations in terms of how they drive. So our study was really focused on differences in ADHD symptoms, but there are other differences that we also need to look at across other demographics, right? So differences according to gender, differences according to if you learn how to drive when you're 16 
versus 17 versus 18. It's only a year difference there, but there are vast differences in performance depending on your age. Also looking at differences in according to if you live in the city versus the rural area or the suburb. Differences according to who taught you how to drive, who's at home with you. Uh, there's lots of different populations that we need to consider and differences in how they drive. And we need to incorporate those in terms of making sure that they know the right things. Uh, like Jim was saying before, individualized training, depending on their life experiences, their expertise, their knowledge, uh, their biological makeup. We need to consider all those things to make sure that young drivers are really safe on the road. Couldn't agree with you more. Can you just do all of these research projects <laughs> and let me know what happens? Because they're all wonderful. Um, I love it. Um, Okay. Shannon, I was just thinking we got to get busy. We <laughs> I know you guys need about like eight more of you both just to get all of this done, but it's fabulous work. The Roberts research group, where do you see that going? Where do you hope it goes in like the next 10 years? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> so the research that we do in my lab is focused on usually one of three things, younger drivers, automated vehicles, and the other piece is just designing interfaces and just the inside of the car so that it better meets driver's needs. I think in the next five to 10 years, of course, we're still going to be doing the same lines of research, but I think how technology develops, is implemented and deployed will probably slightly change the trajectory. Um, so as one example, we know that more technology is being put into these cars, but specifically there's differences in terms of who owns these cars? So as one example, we know that young drivers typically get older cars. Older cars do not have this technology. So if we're talking about developing this technology to help them, well, that's not going to help them if they're only getting older cars, which means that it's going to be an additional five to seven years for them to actually reap those benefits. So I think it's, like I said, really dependent upon what technology is introduced and how people start buying cars with the technology. That's going to change the path. But in general, just looking at how people interact with their cars. Lots of different topics that I want to look at. And I think it will change depending on how technology is out there and also how people change and how we study those differences between people. Thank you. And I just didn't know in closing, I didn't know if either of you had anything else you wanted to add about traffic safety or. I do have one. Okay. And something that people don't think about. Wear your seatbelt. Seatbelts really save lives. People take that for granted, but buckle up. It really helps. I'm going to leave this to Dr. Roberts as the expert there. And okay. at least second, second what she said. Um, and I will just share um, that for families with individuals with ADHD, um, one of the apps and related driving programs that may be particularly relevant um, is called Behind the Wheel with ADHD. Um, and they are a group that has a app that really helps walk um, the driver through some things mm -hmm. to think about, to really gather that um, mindset and preparedness before they, they hop behind the wheel. Um, and for all of us to remember that, um, you know, the more, the more we think about our mindset and prepare ourselves behind the wheel, the better the roads are going to be for everybody. Thank you. And I will absolutely share that within this podcast in the description. 
section. So our listeners can click on that and check it out if they're interested. Well, I just want to close and say thank you so much to both of you for taking the time to be with us today. Continue all of your great work. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> it's thank been a you very much. Thank you again, Dr. Roberts and Dr. McDermott, for sharing your wealth of knowledge on this research topic, and I look forward to seeing all of your future research projects come to fruition. And if you'd like to learn more about Youth Driven and all the prevention work that we do, you can visit us on our website at www.youthdriven.org. And as always, continue to lead by example and take care of each other on the roads.